I am sorry you it didn't was an get to use off, them. I'm off, sorry. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. You didn't get to use them. That's why it's on your. Why mind. do I own them? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, we were both NPCs and we had NVGs and we couldn't use them. You know, I get it. You I could have have them. All right. To not use them. You know, guys, this is uh, the this official. is the official. <laughs> Okay, we're starting. Um, yeah, uh, welcome back to another episode of Panther. So, folding table talk. This is episode sixty-seven. Uh, again, we are just two numbers away from that magical number. Um, think about what you want to do for for that one. We'll get there. But this is Op uh, Mind Mind Minerva. Uh, Ask Julian. Julian, what is what is the name? How do you pronounce this? We've had a debate. We, we, we've had a debate. It's endless. How do you pronounce this op? Minerva. What? Minerva? Minerva. It's a it's a Greek goddess. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Minerva. Okay, yes! there you go. I, like, well, I didn't know about the Greek goddess, but I equated it to like Harry Potter, and I was like, yo. Alright. You know what? <laughs> I will show my way out and hit the recording. <laughs> I, I'm out. Alright, the op Minerva. Um so we've just finished it this weekend. Uh hopefully everybody had fun. Um, we're going to be going over some of the after-action reports from both the commanders. So we got uh, Malcolm at the bottom there, Team Yellow. Uh, that would be uh, Team uh, J-Lao uh, Conglomerate. And we got Heart Enterprise. Uh, go green, by the way. Uh, Owen. Hello. <laughs> I'm always for Heart Enterprise, you know. Good. Got to keep up with the hearts. Um, and as well as Julian Lau, he is the event organizer of the event. And as well as we have uh, NPC, the, the guy who was running the NPCs, which is basically Mac, did, did a fantastic job RPing, I hope. I, I tried. I, <laughs> I know I did. I was harvesting those organs, I tell you. You did. You did a great job. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And uh, yeah, so I guess we'll start off with a little bit of introduction. Um, I know you weren't here last week, Julian. You gave me some instructions on to read uh, on the rules and stuff, but... Um, introductions on Op Minerva. Uh, it's basically a fight for resource. It, it, I gather most of your uh, events are most mostly like this: gathering for resource. One one team's gathering, the other one's denying the resource or preventing the other team from gathering resources. Is that the basis of the story? Is there like a grand scheme to the story, or an expansion from your previous story? This is a little bit of an, an expansion from the previous game, where it's just continuous resource gathering retrieving extraction kind of stuff right um it was just i wanted to see i wanted to i went and designed this game to be two to one i wanted to see how far we could take it because previous game was like an even piece among the players so this is more of an experimental game that you've ran of you've run then because it's i haven't seen where you know one team was smaller than the other that's yeah. That's sort of a different play to it. And how how did that play out for 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 you in terms of event management? Was it a lot more confusing, a, a, like easier, or? I think it's about the same. Um, but I think there are more challenges for the smaller team, right? Um, we did create the storyline where it's a little bit more linear in terms of how things go. So there was a set defined timeline for both teams on how the play is supposed to happen. Uh, so i.e. like you guys mentioned with. Uh, hiring miners to mine stuff at the mine, right? Uh, but um, part of the reason why I wanted to try this way is I wanted to try and encourage one team to practice more on like uh, recce, recon, uh, 
evadance from the enemy patrols and stuff, and the other team to focus on uh, patrols and looking out. So wanted to, again, experiment this with different ways and tactics to use. So. Look, you got a, a squeaker back there, too. <laughs> yeah, that's our dog. That's, ah, that's uh, cute. Um, okay, uh, so I guess uh, we'll start off by going to, unless you want to add anything else to... Uh, like anything special that happened? Uh, did you want to add anything else there, Julian? Um, in terms of the storyline or how it progressed or anything to that matter before we start divulging mm -hmm. into the details of, you know, minute by minute what happened? I think the biggest thing is mentioned again to, as I mentioned in the Discord chat, All Star and Big Pat to everyone that actually stayed throughout the event because of the pouring rain. Uh, I admit I was surprised. Uh, a lot of people stayed because everyone probably didn't expect the rain pour to continue. Neither did I. Uh, so tops to them, to everyone that stayed for most of the event. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, okay. So let's jump into some AAR now. Um, like I said, I did play some timelines here of uh, events of what happened, but we'll go through the notes here first of what happened. So Owen, you are the commander of Art Enterprise or Green Team. Um so did you want to add anything to the storyline before we start divulging into your notes here of what happened or your after action report? Uh, no. No? Okay. I didn't, I didn't really realize there was much of a storyline. No? It was... No. Okay. So, so I'm a bit forward We're going to work on that. That's something that we did talk about. So, yes. <laughs> so game starts at 3 o'clock. Um, so you headed out with your team towards your... Uh, I guess your your base of operations, your FOB. Um, uh, so is that how it initially started? Like when game started, you were at your base already. Which is yeah, I think I think uh, I had a plan for people to go out, but uh, the Overwatch team sort of pushed a little further than I expected. So I think we started a little before Julian was like, "Yeah, start." Because I think it was uh, I think it was Mac in that helicopter, and I was like, "Well, the guys are here. Might as well start going." Gotcha. And where was your base of operations located first? Your where you started? Is it called Refinery? What is it, Julian? All the names keep changing on me. Church now, we call it. Church, yeah, that's the one. Church is now for those who don't know, where's church now? Like is that uh across the field at the um Um close so to the middle. Well it's across okay, so it's across the uh raised wooden bridge that um the magfed paintball guys have oh okay so it's at that paintball. top of the cliff then yeah it's the top yeah of the yeah. yeah they yeah, used to call it refinery hill. back then or right behind yeah yeah the it's just up from there yeah gotcha all right so you started off from there so mm -hmm. how many teams did you have um starting off because you had what is the biggest team um out there it was green, about team. green team had 50 the people in five sections Five sections and Overwatch was one of them. Do you know the other teams or their many names for it? Uh, was FAC and okay, I saw their photos. Okay, and then I think there was an amalgamation of other team and then oh geez, oh and, and then, you had one uh, squadron of danger, danger. service, yeah, and then you had uh, Alpha and Bravo. Alpha was just a random assortment of people, and I think Bravo might have been a group of friends plus a couple more. I'm not sure. I thought Bravo was your assortment. No, Alpha was because whoever was Bravo okay. was was really keen on being Bravo. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Don't ask me why. 
And uh, did you have the usual rotation? Um, I know you were trying to make sure that everybody gets a role, but did you have a usual rotation of, you know, send one out patrol, one to defend the church area? Um, did you have that sort of, uh, like, rotation, or did you just send everybody out, or how did it work? A little bit. Uh, I was generally trying to keep one section back at the HQ, and then it was sort of like pushing objectives or patrolling around the airsoft side. Okay. And what was your first objective to to do that was given to you? Was it secure the mining town, basically, and uh, find the construction workers? But then I quickly realized it was rescue people and then eventually hire them for the next part. Rescue people? Yeah, because Mac was in the helicopter, like, right at the beginning. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I've got buddies at the mining town, those three cabin structures. Then we had to go get them. So uh, it evolved a little bit as sort of we went on from what my initial understanding was. So was that reports from your squad leaders that was sending it back to you by radio? Or was that you physically going there and checking out the intel itself? Uh, that was me just sort of being there before everyone else, really. <laughs> okay. So well, you, right you, in the beginning of the you, game, yeah, exactly. You like, like, you like to lead from the front, you then. No, it was like, oh, we're starting? We're starting? Oh, God, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because... My guys were fighting, you know, the ridge where you can kind of see people's houses above the swamp there on the west mm-hmm. side. So they were they were stuck there. So I was like, all right, what the hell's going on? And I came around and I went to the helicopter there and I was like, oh, okay. The game's basically started. Sure, sure, sure. And then went back and then told more people about it and just kept it going. Okay. But, uh, yeah. I'm generally, you know, everywhere. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, probably around 3.30s when uh, I believe the game started a little bit later than usual. Is that right, Julian? Because, uh, yeah, because I think it started around 3.30 where uh, there was they were to find the two drivers. I was one of the drivers and then the two construction workers, I believe. And then um, I don't know if you hit any of the raiders that were uh, bumped up there, but um, I'm sure... You guys hit the raiders that were uh, preventing you from entering Mining Town, I believe. Uh, is there anyone preventing us from Mining Town? I can't recall. I did ten, send two sections there, so whatever happened probably happened pretty quick. Yeah. So Mac, what what happened there when? Uh, mm, so I know the raiders were set up at Mining Town for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the gameplay kind of divulged where it was really funny because initially. Um, the players kind of like mistook me and didn't understand like the situation that I was in or, or kind of really didn't pay attention to it. But again, we're growing the community. It'll, it is a kind of a live and learn situation. So uh, rather than rescue me, they kind of took me hostage, right? So it was actually <laughs> really, really funny to kind of like have my hands up the whole time and I'm like telling them, I'm like, I'm an innocent construction worker and I'm just here trying to do a job and like, you know, like kind of just role playing this along. And, you know, there were a few of the players that were really keen and listening to what I was saying. And they were like, yo, like, is anyone listening to like, what are you saying? Like a couple of the players actually had notepads and were writing it down. They're really <laughs> smart. So that one was a uh, kudos to your green team there, Owen. 
And then um, I, I, I can guess who that was. Yeah. And then so moving into that, too, um, they were kind of listening, but like half didn't know how to play the game from there. So they went uh, from rescuing me and because they had to rescue me from some raiders. So once they rescued me from the raiders, I told them about the secondary uh, personnel that they needed to rescue as well to kind of like lead the game, keep going um, and told them the location or approximate location. And then right away on the radios, you can hear. Yeah. Owen, I'm standing there with Owen his other sections have come into contact. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and then the same thing where it's like the innocent individuals inside and he's like held hostage, but his guys like run in and they shoot Julian. And it's like, Oh, okay. He had his hands up. He's got high vis on construction, like gear and he, he's got no gun. Right. He just gets shot. And it was like, Oh, okay. So live and learn. We kind of rolled past that and ignored the shots. I also got shot, but we ignored the shot. Right. Just trying to get the game and type line going and then we were supposed to come find you poi but i think that you ran into some resistance too and then you ended up driving back to town because you were just getting shot at right no i wasn't getting shot at so after you guys were at um was it mine town you guys uh hunkered down a bit i was still at um like crack shack or like ruins of crack shack area waiting for someone to pick me up i had one guard with me um which was the raider because we couldn't expend all our raiders into one area. And uh, I believe it was Team Yellow that was uh, in the mix there for um, in that area. And uh, yeah, take us through... I guess we'll start off with uh, Team Yellow here. Um, so J-Lau Conglomerate. Um, so Malcolm, um, where did you guys start off at? So I briefed my guys in more of, I guess, a RP setting. Uh, in the sense that we were set up behind enemy lines and we had two LZs. So our two LZs were uh, Castle Air Max and Swamp HQ. So that's where they dropped in. Okay. So you split up, like your teams were split up. Yes. Okay. So that explains the Swamp HQ guys and as well as, uh, I, I didn't get to see the guys from, is it so far away, but Castle Air Max side, but... For your Swamp HQ guys, uh, like a big question is uh, like I guess looming over the NPC's head right now, and the big one is uh, why did Yellow attack the NPC town first? What? Was there a mistake? So, I I'm getting conflicting reports from my guys. Um, <laughs> first of all, the first, weather okay. <laughs> the weather did not help um, with radios, so I didn't get like a full clear report. I'm just getting like hearsay here and there. But my first task for them, after securing their LZ and finding a temporary uh, FOB, was, and these were my words, to recon the city and do a friendly meet and greet. That wasn't very friendly, I can tell you. <laughs> so, I, 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 I could kind of take it from there, okay? Because uh, what ended up happening was... Uh, I was just uh, minding my own business, you know? We were cooking our dogs, you know? Just... Uh, checking our, our organ harvesting uh, business going on and everything and then suddenly i'm out there in the courtyard of town and i just see three or four yellow guys sneaking around in the back and i'm like wait what's going on i'm like hey guys how's it going i'm i'm, I'm the local doctor and one kid <laughs> doesn't even say anything to me he just looks at me dead in the face ak up right at me and i'm like are you kidding me well guards <laughs> And then that's when shots started going off. And then that's when I saw one of my guys go all the way around 
turn around and come back with a big smile on his face and tell, telling me that he shot eight guys in the back. <laughs> That's a huge payoff so, for you guys. <laughs> I have I, I have a feeling I know what happens. Well, first of all, they all need to go under uh, diplomatic training. Hundred <laughs> percent agreed. But um, that squad uh, that we ended up naming um, Bravo Squad had a couple of experienced players, but it also had fairly new players. Um, and like you said, we're building up the community, so I don't think they understand that RP aspect, especially the young ones, which is fine. You know, live and learn. And part of us as an organizer is, I think we have to do a better job kind of setting the expectations, breaking the storyline, and having people understand that there will be interactions with NPCs and to kind of lean into the acting part of it a little bit. Mm. Yeah. All right. So at that point, Yellow has a bunch of captives, in, or not captive, but, um, you know, we, we like NPCs have a bunch of captives in town. Yep. And um, the game still progresses. Um, so I was still out at Crack Shack, um, just minding my own business, you know, with my one guard waiting for someone to rescue me. Um, you know, I was hoping it was green team. And uh, yeah, I was just walking around, minding my own business. And then I think I believe a, a group in green team. I forgot which color it is now, but um, yeah, either way, they knew me. I knew I, I didn't know them as much because I had masks on, but I was walking around telling them I was a driver. I'm waiting for my construction guys. You know, my construction guys are stuck over at the other side. You know, this, you know, there's a guard that's, you know, this, this guy, this guy is bothering me with his gun. And, you know, like, um, who is it? Um, yeah, Ty was doing his best to, like, intimidate me and push me around and stuff. You know, I, I based my story was like, yeah, my, my tractor hit this tree you know but i was drinking too much vodka so it's not really my fault but you know at the same time it's like i was telling i was telling the platoon like the not the platoon the squad that was coming around saying hey can you guys help me and stuff right because uh, i i put a tree on top of my tractor and stuff and you know they helped me out and i'm like thank you guys you know if you guys need my help you could hire me i'm the driver i am the driver i kept i kept repeating it i'm the driver <laughs> and i believe i think there was some lost communication there because they weren't sending reports of who I was or what I was doing and stuff and what intel I was giving them and it wasn't getting passed along to their squad leader because I think um, all of them were saying oh god it's Poi he's acting really well he's RPing really well and I'm like <laughs> they weren't I'm... able to look past it right? no they weren't able yeah. to look past no, it no I know so that, that was something that we did struggle with the other op previously and I think uh, Owen and Malcolm both understood that too when we did op shanty a couple months back yeah. Um, and then just going into this, there were similar um, kind of ruffles of feathers and stuff like that. But, on, yeah. you know, m for the most part, it went rather smoothly. The only real kind of con and struggle with everything, I think, was just the weather impacting communications and stuff like that. And uh. I don't know. I think you guys need to talk to like Steven or something to get radio sorted. <laughs> um, OK, so, yeah, that was that was my deal with it. So I'm like, OK, I. I've just been going around in circles here for like a couple of minutes. So I went back to town. Julian comes up. He's like, they didn't, they didn't like capture you or work with you. And I'm like, no, they just ignored <laughs> me. I just went into town. And then I did, I did the same route again, just to get their attention. And then I think I hit a bunch of yellow team this time. And 
said the same thing. I'm the driver. I'm just driving around, you know. And, uh, yeah, they didn't do much with the intel, so I just headed back, and then that's when I saw that there was a bunch of folks from Yellow Team that are stuck in base. And that's where I sat most of the time, because, uh, they like, I... The next event was basically, um, after that is once, once green returned, um, I guess Mac and as well as, um, uh, Julian, uh, Riot to the town. That's when things started moving again in terms of setting up the power lines. I believe yeah. that was the next task. So how did that go for, um, green team? So what happened after you guys, uh, secured mining town and then headed back to, to the NPC town to drop off Mac and Tack. I've been trying to remember. Uh, I think I was off doing something else in one of the sections. Ended up paying money for the to hire guys to start the next phase. But I'm trying to remember what I was doing. Can't recall. So the next phase was light, like powering up. That was later at like like four or five right yes it was because uh uh yellow ended up coming back to town buying back their folks right and then yeah. um green came up there was there was a few green dudes that were hanging around in base that needed to be bought out as well and then that's when the next phase started which is basically the construction of the power lines um which was later on in the day it was already dark it was like at six o'clock or something yeah. So what what ended up like from from there on? What ended up happening? What what did you I set think, up orders? Uh, so or? danger was in the town, basically take care of the town when that was happening. That stuff was going up, and I think at that point I was trying to get as many sections as I could to Castle Air Max to get so that we could refine the stuff for the next stage, and that's when we were pretty strung out. And I think about so it sounds like is... you were stretched out then. Oh yeah, no, I had. Two sections at Air Max, Bravo and Overwatch. And then FAC was messing around, I think, near Swamp. Danger at uh, the mining camp there. And then Alpha, whoever was left at uh, at the HQ. So we were pretty spread out. And I have a tendency to just go everywhere. So I'm like talking to these people. I'm going over this. I'm trying to get that worked out. I'm doing this thing. So there was a lot of that. I think, um, I think actually, after a while, because... Because we captured two yellow guys like right off the bat, apparently. And it's like, yeah. okay, Bravo, when you come like down to Mining Town, uh, bring those two guys and we'll return them, right? So they can go back to like playing the game and stuff. Apparently, uh, the section leader there thought we should keep one for leverage. And I didn't realize it till like an hour later. So this guy had been <laughs> sitting for like the first hour Poor and a half of the game. And it's like, I showed up there. I was like, what? You're still here? I was like, why do we still have a guy here? And they're like, oh, no, we, we kept them. I was like, uh, okay, just just come with me. And I just kind of like brought him to Mining Town. And <laughs> hey, I was like, just, admin, here we go. Just, yeah. just go. Go be free. Just get out of here. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Um, and then, what was the other story I was going to say? Uh, I've lost the other one. But yeah, I was just sort of running around getting things done pretty much. Actually, I want to skip the beat track here and uh, ask about the game change there at the very beginning. Of the, because I, when I was at the game um, briefing in regards to medic rules, now it says on the, uh, not the medic rules, the uh, the revives and respawns. When I was reading, what well, because when we read, when we, Mac and, well, when me and Mac read through the rules to inform people, um, you know what the rules are it says that you know there was the revive system uh you know five minute bleed out time and then afterwards walk to your spawn right 
um, that changed at the very beginning of the game? Was that due to the fact that we wanted to change up the dynamic of the respawn so that it would be more meticulous in a way so that like the commanders would have to buy their men back? Or was there another reasoning for it? I guess that goes to Julian first. Well, there's no respawn to begin with for the game design. The part is that if you guys get shot and you didn't get a medic, you're stuck there, period. And the only way you can get back is that you needed your buddy to wound, wound, wound it, assist carry to yep. your bait. But that doesn't mean you're healed still. You're yeah. not healed. You're still inactive. And then that's where the commander would need to uh, call in for a doctor to come and fully revive the person. Okay. Um, same, that rule, a mechanic applied to both teams. So even with Malkin's team, and he had lower numbers. Um, the dynamic mechanic here is that, okay, now that you got the green team kind of swarming the area, he lost some of his guys. Okay, how can he get his doc? Uh, how can he get his guys to the dock in the city, right? And two mechanics you play as one. Okay, yeah, he goes to city, guns blazing by killing all the green players if there, and then quickly get the doctor in, or B, make an agreement with you know the broker and ask him to have the doctor travel to Malcolm's uh, location wherever he picks and maybe on the escort or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, were both commanders aware of this or is this something that was like last minute? Because <laughs> most of the time you guys just bought out your men at the uh, NPC town. I know Malcolm, yes. I hope Owen was. No, I didn't. Like, yeah. my guys just kept coming back and I was like, alright. Like uh, respawning at you or? I don't know what exactly they were responding. Like I expected to have to give out more of those, uh, like uh, the flagging tape for like the medic bands, but I think they just kept reusing them or something. I'm not sure. Ah, so there's people. But that... I find, I find it's every time when you have medic rules that aren't like stock simple, they tend to go out the window a little bit. Okay, so there you go. There's some room for improvement there in terms of uh, medic rules and stuff. I think uh, more figure out a more standardized rule for it. I think that's that's sort of a community thing that that we need to figure out. But uh I just wanted to know that because it was I think there was a mass confusion with that when it comes to respawns and stuff because people thought that they could just go back to base and, you know, get like a medic armband or something or respawn. Because uh yeah, it I know the game mechanics works is you go to the doctor and then the doctor will remove your armband basically. Or not your armband, your uh your tourniquet basically then you have you know that one extra life to deal with when you're down so that you could get buddy aided um so anyways um so that out of the way so yeah um oh and what ended up happening with the uh who was doing the uh who was the group or the squad that was doing the uh the setting up the lights at mining town danger danger so that was i think schoolboys group and as well as the mm -hmm. uh the uber good players, I believe. <laughs> well, they had night vision and they were all keen tunes. Uh, tunes being a reservist, uh, yeah. yeah, they were all pretty, pretty into it. Oh yeah, no, I was, I was making sure they crack up because of all my RP. Um, yeah, I was, I was stalling so much in, in that one. I don't know if uh, you saw that, Mac, but yeah, the, <laughs> like. We were going around setting up the lights. You guys were setting up the lights. I was stalling because my cart was crap and, you know, or my tractor, not my cart, my tractor <laughs> was crap. And, you know, I'd sit down for some vodka breaks once in a while, right? It's pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I had some good Borat memes there. 
And um, yeah, so we set up the lights. Um, so by the time we set up the lights, I think that took us like 20 minutes to, to do. Um, so we got all oh, the half lights. An hour. Yeah. yeah, half an hour. So we got all the lights set up. Um, nothing really interesting happened. We were kind of hoping we'd get like ambushed or something because of all the weird Did amount of lights. Sometime in that half hour, captured eight guys. Yeah. And then uh, after yeah. that eight hours, they captured three more and then three more again. So I literally spent like half an hour just going back and forth, taking all these captured guys back to the town and then coming back to get the other three. And then by the time I was halfway back, I had to get another another three. So yeah, yeah. you're probably using your Monopoly card there pretty well for uh, buying out all your guys. <laughs> or I hope so anyway, because I heard the machine was down. So um yeah how much how much did it cost you to revive each guy every time me or malcolm because no. they're all malcolm's guys who can catch yeah so the first one was five the second one was 10 and it kept going up in increments of five thousand. but at some point uh it just i just gave a flat deal and i'm like here take 200k and just keep my guys alive Doctor, you, you you drive a hard bargain, then. Smart man, <laughs> smart man. Yeah. So at that point, so for yellow, at that point, when they were when 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 green was setting up the lights, what were what what were you doing at that point, other than getting captured by green? Did you finally leave the shack at that point? Yeah. I was walking around a little bit, but primarily, anyways, um, I tasked yellow team with recon uh initially uh just to recon and to try to find people of interest uh as soon as i found uh, diplomatic skills were uh lacking for a better term uh and i had to buy my guys out several times um once owen's team was a bit more established i told them to run hit and runs so just take one two guys out fall back into the woods and hide and then just keep doing that um so that was their main objective in terms of the whole game uh once again skill set and a little bit of the field played into how well they were able to carry out those orders um and then the reason why we had the medic rules as they were was to kind of dictate that high stakes where like we don't i don't want you pitching and standing in a fight like you should just be taking one guy out even or you know you have to take a guy out just have to cause a little bit of chaos and slow them down and then get out of there for the next half hour but i think some of these guys were um itching for a little bit more of a fight than they should have yeah yeah because your role is just to ambush and find intel where they're going i mean you could basically find intel from the villagers anyways and npc because they're hiring us like yeah like you just you know a little bit of money and be like oh yeah no they're doing this oh yeah they're doing that um that's exactly. what they're doing um yeah a little bit of diplomatic skills would have helped and would have you could have taken advantage of that and, and provide a guerrilla tactic for hit and runs for like you know when we were setting up the lights or something like that right because that, yes. that was clearly visible mm-hmm. as the lights go grew and the the guys with the nods are probably like ah lights yeah yeah, gross. pretty much. Yeah, half the fun of a night op is to walk around in the dark. Yeah, but that, no, I I like the additions of the lights though, Julian, because that that really adds an element of like, oh yeah, Nod's people are not going to be there. 
Because, <laughs> you know, they avoid the light, right? Um, th those lights are amazing, by the way, because they're pretty cool. Um, so after we returned to town, me, Julian, and Mac returned to town. Then we were waiting to get hired for the mining operation, I believe, at that point. And that's when the plan just got thrown out the window at that point. Um, so, <laughs> Owen, what happened at that point after we left mining town and then uh, proceeded back to base? We were waiting to get hired. What happened there? So we were we were stretched out. I think uh, that's when FAC left. Just yep. Yeah, they left early. That. Yep. And then the attrition rate started to go up. Yeah. Yeah. You and lost then, like a whole section, didn't you? Yeah. And then who did I lose? <laughs> and I think shortly after that, I lost most of Alpha, except for a couple of stragglers. And so then I was running around with like thirty guys trying to like control refinery and control the mining village. And I kind of gave up on controlling the HQ. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, uh, there was some like, the danger guys were like, yeah, no one's going to last past 10. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And I, I, I had places I could have been. So uh, yeah, I figured might as well just have one more like big uh, brew up, one last fight and sort of like let it be, which went a little, a little sideways, but I guess it was crazy enough to be fun. Okay. And uh, for you, uh, Malcolm, after the lights were set up and stuff, what ended up happening with your group? Um, did the attrition rate go down, or was there people leaving? So I only had, I believe, one or two that left. Um, and once again, weather. I mean, the weather was abysmal. But what I will say is, especially for the young guys that were on uh, Bravo team, was they stuck it through. And as young as they were, uh, they toughed it out. And so... They had, from my understanding, quite a bit of fun. Um, and yeah, they just, like I said, they just stuck it through. So I was, that was, I was very impressed with that. So like by the end of the night, I think I still had um, Trainwreck, my whiskey team, was still at full strength. And Bravo team was down from a squad of 11 to I think a squad of nine. That's not bad. So Yellow stuck yeah. it pretty good then. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and yeah. I kind yeah. of expected that. So that's why, like, part of the plan was to outlast Green Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, like, just before the end there, and I was trying to, like, set up that last fight. There was there was another team that was waiting to attack the town because their squad leader had been uh, captured. But I was like, just, just wait out for a bit. And they're like, yeah, we're probably going to leave in an hour. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's you know, three-fifths of my team. So I was like, all right. <laughs> So they were deciding to attack. I heard there was rumors of a, a town attack, so my guards were getting ready to defend it. And During, uh, I during know, that break, those yeah. guys came around. I don't know how they came around exactly, but they, they came around and they were like everywhere. the back through like the spools or whatever. They came back through there and they were like showing up. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? All right. <laughs> yeah. They were yeah. coming to attack and I was like, what are you doing, kids? Yeah, I saw, I saw that coming too and I'm like, oh, yeah. Put the put the girlfriend out of harm's way and then yeah you guys go have fun <laughs> okay so yeah at around like i think it was like eight o'clock or something or nine o'clock that's when we had like the general break for everybody and then uh yeah i think that's when uh after that break uh it was around 10 o'clock i think that's when it started to like die down afterwards so yes uh, up at around 11 30 or 11 o'clock i think is when julian you finally called it i believe 
So that was the timeline, the official timeline of what's supposed to happen. Now the, well, the unofficial or the altered timeline. But the official timeline was that we, or that's the story progression now, is uh, they were supposed to hire, after setting up the lights, going to Mining Town to set up the lights, we would then, you know, hire uh, Mac and uh, Mac and Riot to set up a, uh, a mining, uh, like, to hire miners to mine in the mine. And uh, what resources were we gathering there, Julian? Because uh, I didn't, I didn't see in the storyline what what kind of resources we were gathering or mining. Minium two thirty six. What max it? <laughs> I, see. I see. I <laughs> see. I see. So using your bare hands to <laughs> mine it. No, we had special crafted tools. Okay, and you look pretty naked. High tech equipment. I was a construction <laughs> worker for all you know. Okay, I didn't even put my mining costume on. You don't even know. Nope. <laughs> so yeah. So once that was mined, then they would then send that towards, um, I guess the miners would then hire a driver to take that over to the refinery. Yeah, well, because we needed to mine the raw materials and yeah. then the miners would tell them that you can't be like, obviously, like this is like highly radioactive. But you yeah. can't use this. And then like, afterwards, once, once, the, once the uranium-233 reaches to your finery then they realize that they have to hire a scientist yeah. and the scientist is in town so you got to go back hire a scientist to refine the material the raw material and now you have a stockpile of refined materials which you will then sell does it sell to or which will then our green team to sell five refined materials to agree for power supply to the base is that correct Brilliant. So you're using these refined material to then power the base. Yep. Okay. Then mm. after that, you basically... For WMDs. Gotcha. And then after that, you refine some more, escort the scientists back to the base, protect the refined materials, and then you're going to have to extract with the materials plus the scientist. At some point, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, so, leaves, room, it leaves room to another... Uh, extension of another next sim on yeah. the storyline. So this so. is uh like I'm I'm sure both uh commanders knew what 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 the timeline was or is this like the first time you're seeing it or something? No, we kept the timeline pretty well. I thought up until yeah, you, yeah. you did basically you did. changed the game the, in yeah. like seven yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, the basically we had to. Yeah, we, me and Owen kind of met at uh, the town. And kind of had to pull an audible because we saw the attrition rate. And I had a feeling, and I, you can chip in on, but I think one of the squads that got tasked to go into the town, that was one of your teams that kind of fell apart. And so that's why I think you got stalled out on that. A little bit. They sort of showed up and they got stalled somehow. Like, uh, yeah. I think it showed up at one point and him and the the leader of the Raiders were like arguing about something. I was like, all right. And there's like, well, we'll just pull back and like deal with this. Uh, and then we were sort of strung out to so far from the, uh, at that point that we couldn't really, uh, it was, it was very difficult to like keep the traction, the momentum going because everyone yeah. was so spread out. And we were like the next, the next objective was like, do like three trips with that cart across the South bridge, which in that, like I walked across it with like a um, flashlight and I radio. I was okay with it. Oh, yeah. I was the I was the one pulling the cart. All right. 
Wow. It didn't look like it was going to be fun. <laughs> no. Nope. I... And honestly, I was worried about some of those young kids being like, oh, I'm going to go Rambo by myself and getting lost. So, so I just kept saying to people, like, don't go alone. Yeah. And, yeah. Which I was alone, like, the half the night walking around. But... <laughs> you, but you're also an adult here, adult. So. Yes, I'm, I'm very adult. So, okay. So now that we've gotten the timeline out of the way, did you guys want to want to add anything else to your uh, after action reports for your groups? Any recommendation, cheers, or um, shout outs to people or squads or leaders even? Uh, you want to go first one? Yeah, go ahead. Sure, I got two. So I got one for yellow team. So when I was trying to first get guys into Air Max, I was Overwatch and Bravo team. Uh, I sort of showed up there the second time when, after they'd sort of been there for a little bit. And apparently they'd been shooting at each other for the last while. I heard and it's like it's like okay sure whatever but then when i was taking all those uh yellow guys like back from being captured to the city one of the one of the guys was telling me that two of them had started shooting at them in air max so then they started shooting at each other so it's like all right that's pretty good that's pretty <laughs> a round good. robin all right um, and actually i'm a little impressed uh for this milsim at the radio communication there was a lot of it and the radios were working pretty well so I was I was kind of impressed with that, uh, like command so it, radios like it pretty or well. personal. Yeah, radio? the for yeah the the Milsim radios, Julian's radios. Okay. So that that went better than expected, which was pretty nice. And everyone like was doing their thing. It was raining, and it wasn't too much of a problem, but it was good. Okay, and uh, for yellow. Uh, for yellow, I mean, for me, it was props to the whole team for even though getting like. Bravo team for even getting captured once, uh, still having, you know, um, the mental fortitude to continue playing and not taking it to heart and just keep on trucking. Uh, for Trainwreck um, to be able to work independently because part of how I wanted my teams to run was part of storyline was, once again, they got inserted behind enemy lines. So technically there wouldn't be a command HQ. So I gave them pretty much field operational command. I just tasked them, hey, do this, but I'm not going to micromanage how you do it. And basically, I, I would say they did well, especially uh, Whiskey, Whiskey Team uh, Trainwreck. Um, they pretty much handled themselves independently. I didn't have to worry about them too much. Uh, Bravo Team did have some new squad leads and new players. And so I expected to have to help them a bit more. But once again, they still did a pretty good job. Okay. A lot of newbies, a lot of experienced people. Yes, and like you said, it's kind of just building up the community and trying to put people that want to learn these roles in these kind of leadership positions. But we do have to, as a event organizer, um, find a way to bring these leadership skills up as a community because, you know, especially like with the pandemic and COVID, this is, we're probably going to be one of the more consistent uh, events that we will try to continue holding. And we would like to build up the community for them to go to things like, you know, uh, Omega Ops and do their bigger operations and whatnot and Milsims. Uh, but obviously it it's more fun when everyone has a higher skill ceiling and skill set. And so just slowly building that up and kind of, um, setting expectations gotcha um 
was there i know there was uh i'm seeing comments here about armbands or green and yellow look the same under white lights um was there a sort of um like a passcode passphrase set up at the very beginning of the event for both teams or was that like kind of like you guys develop your own thing or was there none at all because I, I mean, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Those all fall apart. Like you could do like a, a patrol number or a whatever, but like they're going to do like thunder. And then what's the answer? Oh, it's probably flash. Like I have never found those to be super useful. Like you just say like, who are you? It's like, I'm green. What are you green? Like, cool. We won't shoot at each other anymore. <laughs> I, I think airsoft uh, sometimes it, people want it to be like super high speed and like cool and army, but like it just isn't. It, I, it's, it's not I get it. Yeah. No, sometimes it's, it's it's just shoot them up but for a sort of sim like this or you know an event like this would it be handy to have it to sort of uh, like develop the story a bit more and prevent friendly fires because i know that's that was one of the big things that i kept hearing whenever i kept like getting people back from from the dead was like yeah there's you know i didn't know who shot me or i got shot from the back or something like that and then you know long behold it was probably their own teammate that shot them but w would it help if we if if that was set up at the very beginning like i don't think so no because like was uh, it a matter of like uh because it is airsoft so people like oh there's someone i'm gonna shoot them or it's you might call out the number so a patrol number is you like the number is nine so i would call out five and someone would respond four or i'd say three and they'd say six that so adds up to nine so yeah. you might do that but no one's used to any of these kind of things so it's I mean, in my opinion, just better to keep it super simple. It's like, I'm green. Are you green? Cool. Yeah. I mean, it. it is a, like like what Julian's saying or Malcolm's saying is uh, it is a stepping stone for other bigger events, which actually like does these things like Millstone West and all that thing. But would it be beneficial to have people train for it? Or would you just treat this as like a weekend skirmish at that point? Uh, like this kind of stuff, I'd say like weekend skirmish. Like even uh, when we did those, uh, was it Iceback? Like we tried to do some of that stuff and it it all fell apart pretty quick, I feel like. Like unless you've got you know, pre-organized and like people listening. Cause that's another problem with Mill Sims is like, especially when you bring in like all the people who just normally drop in. And it's like, okay, we're doing this Mill Sim, we're gonna do this cool army stuff. It's like people don't know about it or they're not used to it. So it's really hard to to translate into the game properly. Cause that's why like all the the medic rules kind of go out the window i find in a lot of these sims like even like iceback or whatever the bigger ones like it wasn't huge it's not like bill sim west but yeah it's it's it, i think it's a workup for a lot of people or like just paying attention to it kind of thing okay so well, even west keeps it pretty uh they always say kis right like keep uh keep it, keep it simple. simple yeah i keep it simple stupid yeah mm -hmm. um for the event organizers i guess uh is this something that is always an uphill battle when it comes to simplicity versus like immersion and complexity or is this always going to be a thing um i think for a local market this is always going to be an uphill battle it's because you have a varied uh, audiences and skill sets and mentality and perspective right so we'll, we'll take muslim muslim Okay, I don't want to say majority. I can't say because I haven't been the one, but what I understand at least half the people that go to Millstone West already have a good mindset. They already kind of know what they're getting into. Yeah. So, does right. changing the community mindset on how your event is run should help? 
because it sounds like it's that's just what it needs in terms of think, yeah. pushing it. But that's why you have to run these step Smaller by step. Events, yeah, run it. Like Malcolm said, introductions to different concepts, perspective. Even like with Owen saying, you know, on medic rules, you want to keep it um, simple, uh, keep it really simple, right? Like you can make layers and complexity to make the game more interesting. But the problem is that uh, not everyone's um, familiar with it, and it takes oh, a while to familiarize with it. So to have that expectation, you know, we're gonna have this medic rule here. You have to do this, you have to do that. Majority will just go out the window. Right, okay. take time to build that. Now, if you have a focus group yeah. that plays every you know Saturday, Sunday, and all you do is play four hour scenarios straight, then everyone knows how to play it. Everyone has got to practice it. They understand the lingo. They understand like the structure, and then they know what's expected of them and how to play the game. Right, um, but like Owen said, um, not everyone that's participating in this one has been exposed, I guess, to this kind of experience, and this is. Definitely a new experience, um, I think, for a lot of people. And but I like to mention at the beginning of this props to everyone that did stick it out because at least on the OnePlus, um, a lot of people did at least come through with you know uh, wearing uh, proper or close to proper um, cold weather gear to kind of last uh, the rain as long as they did. Yeah. Yes. And then this is also good introduction preparation from uh, parts of Milsom West because you know Milsom West some games can be nice and dry. In some cases, you can be uh, soaking wet and all. Right? Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I see the problem with, with Owen's stance was, like, the engagement of things where, you know, the player's not as engaged as, you know, something like Milson West or something, then you would treat it as, like, a skirmish, a weekend skirmish sort of deal to keep everybody, yeah. you know, fun. At the same time, you also want to treat it in a way that is different from a weekend skirmish where you're pushing that milsim aspect right it is a mini milsim at this point you know you've you've advertised yes. your sims as mini milsims right so you want that element of you know like the biggest one is command and control structure right that's why you both co's are npcs so that they don't have to bother being shot up and stuff because you want to focus on the leadership aspect of it and then as well as moving down towards your chain of command right like yeah i mean it's good for a novice to jump in as a squad leader now than to jump into a bigger event like um, something like Crossfire or something where you're managing like 12 yes. people with no experience, right? And this one, right? Owen's right. Like you're going to treat it as a shoot them up weekend skirmish. But at the same time, you're still gaining that experience, right? Yes. The key leadership aspects of it, right? Like it's your time to shine now, right? Yeah, you're not as shiny as it is now, but you work your way up to here, right? And then you work your way up to a bigger event afterwards. So right. I see both pros and cons between, you know, Owen and then as well as like, you know, Malcolm, you're treating it like a mini milsim. Owen, you're making sure that everybody has their turn and having fun because, you know, at the end of the day, you want everybody to have fun. You want everybody to shoot around and stuff. Um, but at the same time, I see where Julian's protective is. Like, you want to be a premier sort of a host for events like these, right? So hosting it constantly would benefit you because of the fact that you you get people that are familiar with the rules familiar with um the event right your storyline right take it like like american milsim or something where they have their own standardized rule milsim west mm -hmm. has their own standardized rule even um what is it uh omega Michael. ops has their own um standardized rules right i think that's where 
I think as an organizer, you need to like look at it and be like, okay, we need to standardize some stuff based on yeah what we've run before because familiarization. Sure, like all the same rule yeah. Set. Well, they are, yes, but, you know, there's a difference between American Milsim and, like, Milsim West. But if you have a standardized rule, then you could have people come back and back and back, right? I mean, that's, you want repeat customers, right? So exactly. something like that would, would, would I guess, differentiate from, you know, like, your, your ASG rules are different from, like, Omega Ops or something when they run a sim or something, right? Because, right, you want to differentiate yourself. And, yeah, I like where it's going. Um... It's just that, uh, yeah, it, it kind of just fell apart. I mean, that was expected with, you know, rain and attrition rate. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's, again, I guess that's areas of improvement. We can't control the weather. <laughs> so No. Yeah. And it was good in the sense that I know a lot of people fantasize or dream of wanting to do one of those big Milsom West events. And so they watch, you know, um, YouTubers like Jet Desert Fox and they don't realize kind of like the background work that gets put into it. Like, you know, what gear you actually need. They, they have like, you know, the nice rig, the nice gun. And we ASG has been hosting like a lot of night events, but we've never had a turnout of 80. So a majority of these people have probably never tried to navigate at night. Yeah. So it was a lot of new um, things thrown at new players. Uh, weather, cold weather gear, operating in the night so hopefully it was a good learning experience because no one wants to go to milsim west and then realize you are ill how ill prepared you are and so that's why yeah like we're trying to treat this as a stepping stone for all of the other future events that people may want to go to okay so yeah so that's a little bit of i guess we're talking about the mindset and as well as the like what what to expect from an event but now let's talk about the players um you know we were talking about equipment right and the attrition rate due to weather uh was there anything else that that you want to add to like player expectation from the game because from the previous podcast we were talking about if you are new to the game um we've told people you gotta if if you don't know what you're doing make sure you you phrase this out right away it's like what are my orders you know squad leader Right, and the squad leader will know, well, supposed to know what they're supposed to do. Right, then I, I told you know, if you're a squad leader, you're you know, you should ask your CO what your orders are, and then from there it just gets passed along. It's not the CO's responsibility to micromanage the individual player or the soldier or the rifleman. Right, it is the responsibility of the squad leader. And was that sort of did did you? Did both of you see any of that happening from an individual level? It. Owen? Well, like like we've said, Danger was team was full of reservists. So they were doing that. They were kind of stepping on Drew's toes. Yeah, a no, we're we're leaving them out because they they but, know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly. They were the ones yeah. that shot me, okay? Right off the bat. So yeah, so, bad PID uh, right there, reservists. Yeah, no, I, I, nothing against them individually, but no, they're all great. Yeah, as, as a veteran and a, a, like Reg Force, I just, uh, it's, it's like, I don't know if I call it rivalry, but like, yeah, it's like reservists. Yeah, okay, sure. Why not? But, um, 
No, those guys were good. They were doing good. They did good work. I just like to bust their balls mostly. But like uh, (laughs) other squads are doing pretty all right. I think Overwatch did pretty good. Um, uh, The section leader Bravo was uh, quite keen and maybe a little little touch too gung-ho. Because sometimes people bring their own expectations to a game. And they're like they read complexity into it that there that isn't really there it's like it's just the game sort of thing mm-hmm. and then uh i think alpha did pretty good those those kids were just sort of running around being scrappy or hanging out and who i'm missing this time oh fac those guys those guys do solid work and they just sort of do their thing and i'm generally pretty happy with it i've seen them i don't know what most mill sims i think i've been to but uh yeah yeah and then on yellow side, um, Trainwreck has a bit of experience. I know some of the guys have some experience with Milsom West. So their expectations were already set. Um, definitely, um, as we learned in the encounter with City, uh, with Bravo team, some of the younger kids were a little bit too gung-ho. Um, but I think that's also... A little bit. That's that's definitely something as an event organizer we can improve on in terms of once again trying to um, encourage the right mindset of you know you're gonna have to role play a little bit, talk with people, and it's not just a drop in game where all you do you, you, all you see, do is see person shoot person. Like you have to slow down is the big thing with these kinds of events because it's going on for you know 12, 13, 14, however many hours. It's not. Uh, a sprint as a drop-in game is it's a bit of a mini marathon at this point now okay okay um all right so i think that is a good point and like malcolm was saying earlier about like kids watching these videos one kid mentioned how he saw he thought it'd be more like milson west i'm like okay bud yeah and also like i think what they may not realize is those things get edited down from you know like 72 hours Mm -hmm. yeah footage or whatever to like 15 minutes 20 minutes yeah there's a lot yeah. of boring periods yeah exactly. yeah there's a lot of boring periods before the fun part and usually the fun part's at the very end anyway and it's a reward for all the guys making minutes. it to the end yeah and uh as far as individual players goes uh was there any lone wolves in the group like sort of just like not listening to squad leaders or was it was it generally just kept like ev- like the squad leaders kept their groups together I think it was pretty good in, until yeah. the squad started, like, parts of it, like, guys started Fractural. going sort of thing. Yeah, fragmenting, yeah. But before that, it was, I think, pretty good. Everyone seemed to be sticking together and moving together as a whole. And um, yeah. as far as intel goes from your squad leaders, was it solid feedback coming back from you, or was there a lot of confusion? I guess we'll start with uh, you. There was always confusion. But like, uh, so yeah, like, like I said, I'm sort of everywhere. I'm like here, I'm there, I'm going there. So I'm always picking up information mm-hmm. and trying to spread it out as much as I can. Like squad leaders, when I see them or even just passing by guys. So everyone kind of knows what's going on, but like things, things, you know, change on a dime. So yeah, it gets confusing. Were you getting regular updates from your squad leaders in terms of like, you know, what the situation is or where they are or or were you just trying to figure out where they are by walking towards them? Uh, I generally knew where they were. Like I said, the, the radio comms were surprisingly good uh, for like an Airsoft Milsim. So yeah, like I generally knew where people were and I knew the gist of what was going on most of the time. So it's not like I had to chase people down. It's just I wanted to show up and be somewhere to make sure 
something happened like we took this or we like tried to get that guy going or whatever else it was okay and for yellow team um individual wise were there any lone wolves or anything like that no teams um understood that they had to stay tight uh, especially because of the respawn rule which was kind of what we were emphasizing don't lone wolf because no one's probably going to find you for a long time Mm. and um they worked pretty well i'd say uh yeah so i didn't have any issues with lone wolves uh for me radio with whiskey team on airsoft side was spotty at sometimes but they we were basically at other ends of the field yeah. so i'm not sure if that was due to weather due to hand mic with a lot of water because as you all know there was a lot of water coming down that oh, night yeah. and um for bravo team they kept up with radio comms as best as they could i mean there's times it would have to go silent because you know patrols would be going through and whatnot but um i think I think they followed their role of moving slow and recon very well. Um, and yeah, they overall did a fairly good job, I'd say. And as far as Intel gets passed to you, was that crystal clear or was it like muddy? Intel was crystal clear for sure. Um, at least in my head, it was. Uh, there were <laughs> a couple times where like um, the squad lead for Delta teams, like Delta uh Delta 2, Delta 2, are you there? I'm like, Delta 2 is probably dead, so I'm going to go find out. <laughs> um, so there was a little bit of miscommunication there, but we were able to solve that. But once again, it's a little bit of inexperience for some of the squad leads because I did kind of throw that mantle on them without them expecting it. Um, but that was kind of be expected, especially when you have a lot of new players wanting or thinking in their heads um, that being the smaller team, they would get to shoot more. Mm. I think what happened in this one because Malcolm generally had guys in such small groups, it and because you know they they show up and there's a guy, like ten guys waiting for them, and it is just airsoft and most airsofters aren't used to like running away or like getting out of a situation because they yeah, just sit there and shoot each other. Exactly. I, I think that's why they got captured as much as they did, just because yes, that's yes, the way airsoft definitely. sort of goes. Yeah, so uh, the guerrilla tactics definitely weren't there. But again, this is always just a work in progress. So, I mean, yeah, you yes. know, uh, and exactly like just emphasizing on what you both have said, like the rel- relatively in the depth of the player base that we had there, there were some really experienced players. There were some really inexperienced players um, on both ends of it and stuff like that, young and old, because even though some players might have been playing skirmish for years, uh, maybe you've never played like a scenario based game or something like that. Uh, so, yes. you know, that's where that's where it's not a lot of point aim shoot. It's a lot more of uh, creating a dialogue or finding out what's going on. And exactly. Intel gathering recon hit and run. Yeah. You know, it's not always about shooting. So, yeah, that was my next segue to that is like utilizing the NPC to, you know, progress the story like certain point. Yeah. PID was a failure for, you know, I got shot as well um, a few times. Because no one, you know, PID'd me, right? Even in daylight, like, they could still see me. You know, they just get trigger happy. But, you know, I had, you know, some, like, for Mac and um, Julian, I was out there. And as well as, like, you know, for TAC, you, you know, he was providing intel here and there for, uh, you know, like, how many people out there. Or, you know, for me, it's like I'm the driver, right? I could give you more info and stuff. I could give you discounts and stuff like that. Um as far as that goes, I think that's an area of improvement for players is like interacting. It's not just shoot them up. It's basically winning hearts and minds. And as well as like, 
gathering intel, right? Because yes. just because we don't shoot doesn't mean we're we're useful, right? Or we're useless, right? So in in a way, right? I think that's that's a big area of improvement as well for there because no one was like like I said, no one was paying attention to intel or writing stuff down or relaying it to their squad leader. Um, that would have been you know progress the story a little bit more but um yeah that's that's like a very typical like asg sort of scenario is like intel gathering utilizing the npcs you know and as well as like it's it's a resource fight right it's not just shoot them up because at the end of the day there there is a set goal that we were doing here which is basically like fighting for resource and that was the point of the story was to fight for resource and um, you know, the two COs came in there saying, you know, hey, we're going to be trying, you know, for for you, Malcolm, it's going to be, hey, we're going to be make sure we're disrupting them. And then for Owen, it's going to be, hey, we're going to be making sure we, you know, try and get all these resources. You know, we got to do this, this and this at a certain point in time or not a certain point in time, but like more of like, you know, a progress. Right. Um, I'll be honest. I don't feel like there was so much of a problem. Like guys were doing what I sort of needed them to do. Obviously I would have done faster, but I'm just impatient, yeah. but like they were progressing. The things we needed to do were happening in about the timeline that Julian had put out. I so would agree, yeah. I, I think that all worked out very well, actually, especially with all that rain and stuff. Yeah. So I think uh, like, it just was what it was. Uh, and actually, cause it was the first time, like I've been a boss for Julian before, but like when I'm the boss and I'm playing, I'm like just everywhere, pushing, pushing, pushing. And I'm basically playing the game by myself half the time. So I think making us NPCs is a really good idea. And I think maybe next time even doing like squad leads, maybe not like NPCs, but like very curated, like yes. you pick them or like, like, you know, if danger, whoever shows up, let them do what they want. Cause they'll, they know what the game is, but yeah, like, I think that would be useful just, just so that they can guide all those players who might go chasing whatever or might just be trying to shoot stuff, just try to guide them, you know, no, a little bit more towards making things happen. I agree with that statement too with the squad leaders because when I usually jump into like Julian's games, I'll jump in as a squad leader for random folks because that's uh, where the misfit... Um, all sign comes in because I, I tag along with a bunch of misfits to make sure that they have a guided sort of experience, right? Not not so much that they get a crappy squad leader and then get a crappy time, right? I'm I'm there to make sure I'm watching out for them, you know, watching out for their well being and as well as having fun. Um, you know, based on my experience in running a squad. Um so I, I agree with that statement, like, yeah, curate and you know, do something that Milson West does is basically like uh what is it, cadres. Um not military background, but, you know, someone who has experience in these roles should jump up. But at the same time, I agree with the statement of this is like a mini milsim to improve your skills when you're inexperienced. Yes. And that's that's always a hard line to balance. I, I agree with that. Um, that. That is a good sort of area improvement and feedback. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Because, um, you know, for future events, it would be nice to see that because i i know there was a lot of frustrated players in regards to like leadership and stuff like when when it comes to like the individual level person right they might have problems with you know certain leaders and stuff because they're put in with the ragtag group but um you know that that tends to happen because 
um, sometimes just plans don't go as planned, and that's when people don't have fun. Um, I think, know. like, I think most of our leaders are pretty good. I think it was mostly just expectation, uh, just sort of, I don't know, like, I don't know that there's a good solution for it because people are going to watch their YouTube or do whatever else and come in with their expectations. So they're going to come in thinking it's COD or ARMA or whatever else they're playing and they'll have expectations. And I think it just takes time to sort of adjust those to like what a Milsim generally actually is. Yeah. Especially at our level. I mean, you, you've both essentially hit it on the head <laughs> is, you know, trying to introduce a mentorship system to produce eventually some good squad leads but then setting expectations because even for myself like when i did um crossfire years ago and owen was part of my squad at this time and i was squad leading part of it was we literally sat at a crossroad for i think what three four hours i was trying to get us relief but we had to hold the crossroads yeah Remember Wait, that, you sat at a crossroad yeah i sort of was everywhere <laughs> yeah you 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 were you were you were uh reconning for me yeah I, I try to put your energy to, to good use. But yeah, like you, like like Owen was saying, like setting up expectations and hopefully, you know, the more events we run of these and the more repeat um, customers, so to speak, that we have, you know, expectations will eventually come in line to what is actually involved in a mini milsim and therefore a milsim. And hopefully by that time, you know, you have squad leads that are experienced know what they're doing, know how to make fun for their squad. Um, because, you know, like I said, there'll be at times where literally you sit across road for four hours, but you know, tack back, you, you guys have been Milsom West. It's as long, at least for me, as long as you come up with a good story or two, I think you've had a fun, a fun experience. It's the experience. And that so exactly. It's the experience, right? It's the people that you meet. It's the people that you do it with. And like for us, like I said, we sat at a crossfire for four hours, but at the end of the, you know, two and a half days that we were at crossfire, we had dozens of stories and that kind of just fell back to the wayside, but it's kind of, you got to put the footwork into that. And like I said, you have to, the more we do this, the more expectations will kind of meet what we're trying to give them. And hopefully eventually the community comes in line to, you know, what we're trying to offer. Oh, and you did have a line for you were sold out for this event. So, yes. <laughs> so there, there was there's there's a huge interest in these events. So for for yes. Julian side, are you going to be running more because the interest is huge on this, right? The, the experience Questions is lacking. Like experience is lacking, but having more events like these would help the community gain, you know, experience, knowledgeable experience, you know, to. For, for for them personally and then as well as for a group and as well as uh, for, for an event host like you. You know, the more the merrier, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk just talking to guys. Um, one of the plans, like, the original plan is always try to do ASIM every every quarter, right? Three months would kind of give the, the rough timeline for everyone to kind of uh, practice, hone, and acquire gear and stuff kind of like that, right? So I think um, just for the next year, for 2022, to and that's kind of what i'm going to be going with for now um that may change depending on the map like there's more people that want more of that type of game style to pay play or participate then maybe i might run like a, a kind of really short like a three hour four hour uh, scenario that would take place um 
you know, like maybe every six weeks, right? But for something like this, the larger scale, um, this will probably be something I'll do maybe once um, every quarter. And then um, I, I want to try to incorporate daytime as well, uh, because I know we've had a uh, challenge with acquiring field time because, you know, the field is open to um, uh, public, right? So um, one of the things I talk with Elliot's maybe for us to start running it, hopefully run it on the stat days, but um, we're trying to see on schedule too. Hopefully people can make it too, right? Because on the stat days, Panther is not open. So then we technically could use the whole field the whole day. And plus portions of the evening, right? Yeah. So that's kind of a plan uh, right now in the early stages to kind of lay it out. Um, because I believe um, Crossfire 2.0 might be happening too in May. They haven't announced because I believe they're still working details um, for the field, but I believe they intend to run that in May next year. So um, because of that, we'll obviously we want to try to conflict with that too. Um, so we want to complement. Uh, um, make, make it a practice for some of the teams, I guess. I that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of... Where I'm, where I'm at, thinking of where we can uh, move forward and try to introduce more guys, um, more times and experiences to practice uh, this the craft uh, in years uh, of uh, being a Milson player, right? Okay. And um, hopefully this was a very useful sort of segment for you because it gives you a lot of feedback into the minds of both commanders and as well as... Uh, our feedbacks as well. Um, is there any other areas of improvements you think that we we could um, put out to the players and as well as the squad leaders in general? Hmm. Or, or your COs. They're here. Well, <laughs> I think Julian knows I'm not changing at this point. <laughs> so you either love me or you don't. <laughs> Not wear your hive is best like I asked you to. <laughs> I only got shot three times. It's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> you know how many times I got shot, Owen? Zero. Because you hit it a shot the whole night. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. I'll admit on this in my end. Usually in every sim that I've either played or participated, there's usually some areas of improvement that I've comment, I will comment that we can definitely improve on. I will admit this sim, I have nothing to add from improving because I think everything from an operation scale to the resource scale, to logistics, to manpower went smooth with minimal, a minimal hiccup, even on some of the chats and conversations. Yeah. Maybe not everyone participated in the game. Sorry. Not everyone that's participating knows the full story, but then that's also part of the game because you have commanders that pass it down to squad leads and squad leads to pass it down to the applicable need to know basis you know, to the guys. So we need some guys who hear guys who are just following it versus questioning it, right? So that's good. I want to support that participating and being, I guess we would say, uh, immersed in it, right? Um, my takeaway for this is, um, I guess I've always been the big thing that uh, leadership either makes or breaks the game. And yes. that's from the top. So from administration level uh, down to the supporters for the administration, to the NPCs, so neutral players that assist the game, uh, to then to commanders, and then to squad leaders. Um, I agree with Owen that for future games, selecting our own squad leaders in advance can enhance the game. I agree with that. Um, but as we all agree, locally, Milsim style games 
is still new. Everyone's used to a basic uh, run and gun kind of game. Um, so as we host these games, host this month, new leadership is born or new leadership is passed on to guys to get that practice on. And then you can start creating your, I guess, your crew of no of guys that you know and play with that can be all really good at being a squad leader, and then obviously going to the next level uh, as commander. So uh, key point in this one, so with Malcolm and with Owen, um, they got voluntold. Thank you. <laughs> Guilted into it, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I know Owen and Malcolm come from a very strong leadership background and on top they're my teammates and I play with them all the time. So I have a full trust in them knowing that if something goes wrong on either side with players under them, they will help me uh, mitigate. Because again, myself and the wife, we're only two people for 80, 90 people. We can't be everywhere. So uh, having the support team you know, with Owen and Malcolm and you know, on the NPCs helps us to make sure that everyone has fun. Because at the end of the day, I don't want anyone to take away from this game and not have fun. That's not the point. The whole point is that. So games can be fun in two ways. Either the game makes it fun for you as the player, or you as the player make the fun for itself. And more often than not in Sims I've seen is usually the players make the game for themselves. Nothing wrong with that because you create new storylines. But to me, then it shows that the Sim uh, has some cracks that happen within the, within the game design. And now the players are kind of forced to kind of figure out either they get frustrated and lead the field or they just make their own fun, right? Um, so like I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm really impressed with how this event, for all of you guys participating and making and immersing the game, uh, helping to control and mitigate any issues that we come across. And then, um, like, and for example, I know there was a couple, um, like the beginning on one of the teams that had a little bump in the big game. So then me getting together with, you know, Malcolm, the NPCs and Owen to kind of how we can change it so that everyone still has fun. Um, so I think yeah, I'm impressed with everyone participating, everyone's in the same goal. We want everyone to have fun and have a good time and obviously experiencing different levels or the gameplay styles that can be introduced and enjoy it more, right? Uh, because for some people I know, they've seen Milsons can be also be quite um, intimidating, right? Especially if you're going as a solo person and you don't know where you're going to and you go and play it and then you don't have fun and you just end up. So we don't want that. We want always everyone to be participating, collaborating together, enjoying it together, right? So, so that would be, um, I think my takeaway is that uh, props to everyone. Keep up the good work. Everyone's doing great work and helping and supporting each other. Even as this conversation, we're having everyone here supporting each other, right? So it's great to see the camaraderie that we have even on this level. And it just means passing on to the next person. Because at the end of the day, if we you know, keep encouraging everyone's on the same boat, to make the game great for us. And, you know, it's like in the saying that I use, you know, well, some people use this taking ourselves to a new level because we always want to improve ourselves and something or grow in another way, right? So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that is some great takeaways there and areas of improvement. So those feedback, um, awesome. Um, I think that is it for me. I will pass it along to either Mac or Tac to ask any other questions here. In terms of um, anything that we just talked about, um, do you guys have anything to add? Um, well, I guess for me, the um, 
obviously we, everyone needs to come into these kinds of situations with a flexible mindset, right? If you always come in with a really rigid plan, um, no matter what, you're it's like doomed to fail, right? Weather's always in a factor that you have to think about, especially with the area that we live in, right? We're not California. You can't be like sunshine all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we got to, you know, be, be, you know, aware of that factor. Uh, I commend the guys who did prepare properly. Um, and for the guys who came at, with the bare minimum, um, you know, you guys sort of know what you need to improve on next time to have a more comfortable experience. Or if, you know, being cold and on edge the entire event is your thing, then, you know, you know, stick with that. You know, I know there's some crazy. Yeah, exactly. If it ain't raining, uh, it ain't training. <laughs> exactly. Um, and definitely I commend both sides uh, for playing their roles uh, and sort of going along with, you know, the storyline and everything like that. Um, the only thing I would want to sort of see maybe a little bit of a change with at the next event, um, just because I know how much of a game factor it is is to have a little more control over the uh bb's and ammo supply um i would kind of like to sort of uh have everyone you know have more restrictive ammo so that it kind of like uh increases that sort of like um pid sort of situation where you're less tempted to try and shoot someone because you know that you have a limited amount and therefore you know, you need to save it for someone that you know is your enemy and whatnot. And I know that they were limited to the 500 rounds and everything like that. But uh, airsofters being airsofters, I, I, you know, leaving it to them, I don't trust them. Yeah, yeah that's there was one time where I was pinned down in the corner and they fired a lot more than 600 rounds. I was like, I'm pretty sure they were swapping fresh bodies to just shoot you, dude. I was just like, how many mags is that? This one dude has reloaded. What is this? What's going on here? Like, reloading. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, dude, the but, enemy team knows you're doing that too. Yeah. But other than that, um, you know, like, I think uh, everyone was doing very well. Um, there were, like you guys were say, mentioning, right, certain players that were very keen on the role-playing aspect. So they were paying attention and whatnot. And so, again, hey, big shout out to you guys and great job for uh, sticking with that and also listening to when, the NPCs were talking because uh, as much as we'd like to set up the atmosphere and kind of have fun at the same time, we were also doing our job. Right. And so for you guys who did listen and make sure to relay the information, you know, good job on you guys. And um, it also comes down to as a reminder too, as they were saying, how some of the information wasn't getting passed out. That's part of the experience as well. You're not always going to have um, like, you know, like unless you're clearly, well, it's like, unless you're literally in the military or the reserve or whatever it is, right? You're not going to be training or practicing these things unless you're literally spending your extra time. Nah, I don't even give the reservists credit, okay? They shot yeah. me right away. Like, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. in the Army, you do the, you do less training than everyone might assume you do, for yeah. one. And then, uh, what was the thing I was going to say? But it's also like, um, just, yeah, it's like, uh, 
you're not always going to know what's going on. And there's no intel. I think someone complained about bad intel at some point. And I'm like, I didn't give anyone intel. I tell, I gave orders. I was like, go there, take that. And hopefully yeah. this happens. Intel yeah. is on your, on your end. You're the one <laughs> gathering the intel. You're yeah. bad yeah. intel. That's not yeah. on the CEO. Or, no, but, but, or, uh, but on the squad leader side, were the squad leaders asking what kind of things that were out there were you sending? Were they asking for like... Were they you know, enemy questions. enemy combatants was well, there exactly. any civilians there? They weren't asking. Yeah, really. So there's the failure of communication from the squad leader side where they were just sent. Without well, that's just inexperience, right? Intel, well, it, right? It, yeah, so. Exactly, and that's a learning thing that players are going to hopefully learn if they want to squad lead again for the next time. That there are certain things, and hopefully they you know they look up certain things that squad leaders do to sort of start playing into that role because what a lot of people kind of. You know, if you play a lot of the, you know, Milsom tactical kind of games or whatever it is, or if you do go to Milsom's a lot kind of thing, and you play those more administrative roles, you're going to learn that you don't shoot as often as you want to, you know, or, you know, half the time you're sitting there and you're setting it up so that your friends have a good time and you're just sitting there going like, yeah. great job. There, like I said, there are there are sacrifices you you will take on when you take on the mantle of leadership. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, when when I go out for like if you know Malcolm from from the last game, whenever you send me out for like patrols or something, I I never like go out with my group of you know like misfits without an ISR package, right? Because yeah, uh, important for like for me to know up ahead, you know, what I'm dealing with. Am I dealing with NPCs? Am I dealing with, you know, the goon squad? Were they paid? Do I have someone yeah. watching them? You know, what is what is the newest intel I got? What are are the enemies still on the other side of that bridge? Are they pushing up? You know, I need to know these, right? Like if you guys don't know what ISR stands for, it stands for uh, intelligence surveillance and recon um package. Meaning that I'm not going out there without anything in in my head. Right. As a squad leader, I'm not sending my guys to then, you know, like not give them anything um, and, you know, any intel in return. Right. Once I get that intel, I pass it to my guys down below and be like, hey, there might be NPCs or civilians there. Hey, goon squad might be there. I think I think, you know, the other team paid them. So keep your eyes open. Right. So moving into a position like that, you know, you got you got you got to. Got, you got to be, you know, the squad leader has to ask, like, you know, what what am I dealing with? What What's the enemy size and this and that, right? I mean, that's just coming from me, but, you know, it's a learning experience for you as as you go along in these yes. uh, mini sims. So, mm -hmm. sorry, I just want to jump in there. No, that's that a perfect segue into that. Like, even for myself, like, the moment I take on the mantle of, uh, or the hat of CO, it's like, if I'm picking up my gun, Something has gone massively wrong. Yeah. We got to do it ourselves. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So just realizing, yeah, like, sure, you want the title of CEO, but, you know, just make sure that you understand what responsibility comes with that. Like, you're not going to be running out in the front lines with a gun, cough, cough, Owen, sometimes. Um, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> That's fair. It's true, but I'm there and I'm moving. Uh, I think a one mil sim. I'll keep it vague, but we went out there, and then our commanders were sort of somewhere, and then they didn't have a plan, and then they disappeared at some point on our recce, and no one could find them. And then we just just because we it was like us and a couple other teams we knew, and we just basically ran the game ourselves. Julian yeah. ran the game at that point, yeah. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, our own game. Yeah, exactly. Like you guys were saying, like. <laughs> 
you know, having the squad leads, like squad leads, see command structure, make or break the game. And having a competent squad lead, in our case, platoon commander, we were able to make our own fun. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Mac, do you have anything else to add? Or I, I, was it TAC that was... Um, well, so other than that, I mean, I know I definitely um, have a lot more interest in... Um some of the NPC elements. So for this one, we wanted to try and keep it small. That's something that Julie and I discussed just so we could kind of like help facilitate and run the game and just kind of micromanage the elements. Uh, you know, um, we're gonna look at and try and do things uh, in a bigger sense and stuff in the future and stuff. So I know a lot of people were asking about how do they get involved in that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll definitely have either, you know, uh, we'll either organize like a ticket option for that or some kind of, uh, you know, storyline element to that. So we could be like a third faction in the game or something. Um, it, because again, uh, the role play element, um, I think is a really good, um, dynamic element where it can change the game really easily because again no matter how much we build the storyline um one single player's interaction of uh pointing the gun at the doctor there right malcolm can completely <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> change uh the dynamic of the game because you know at the like okay so just just in this op for anyone who wasn't a part of it uh yellow team was uh hostile towards the town for a majority of the night uh until the end uh, where we were able to strike a deal and strike a bargain and kind of work a bygone's enemy of my enemy kind of sort of thing. And, um, you know, we went on for one big final push and, uh, you know, it was a, we were able to kind of salvage the night and have a fun time at the, at the end of it. Uh, so not that's for where a couple was, executions though. Well, there were some, uh, uh, prices that needed to be paid. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> those, those were, I will with. say it was good service. It came with shipping and handling. It did come with shipping and handling and <laughs> hot, hot fires and and food so that was a big morale booster too so it was really good yeah. for us as um players as well as just admins with julian and stuff to be able to keep the players going because yeah like owen said kind of like halfway through the night when he lost the steam it was like okay it's just a battle of attrition now and whoever stays stays and whoever's leaving is just slowly filing out so yeah awesome yeah no my first time running as an NPC, so it was an interesting aspect. I usually just roleplay as, like, the squad leader or or as the rifleman for events. So first time running as an NPC is actually quite fun. But I think for next time around, I might jump into... Because I was coming from vacation, and I didn't have time to register and, you know, set up my gear and stuff. So I think next time around, I might jump in as a uh, squad leader, of course, for Green Team. Or whoever part Enterprise is, because always a heart enterprise and uh yeah i i don't mind leading a squad i prefer leading a squad because it's more fun for me than it is uh sitting down at base uh not enjoying the shit so <laughs> i i prefer being out there with the guys and you know and leading them um yeah other than that um i think that is it for this segment of this podcast i don't have anything else to add if you guys want to jump in and add anything else that we might be missing um, uh, um guys... well all i gotta say is that uh for everyone watching and anything like that and you guys uh, were not part of the live discussion that we have in our discord community hey don't forget to you know uh, check out that link that's in our description or you know check out the uh, qr code that we have around at the field uh, oh, if you want to be part of the uh, discord live 
Uh, if not, and you guys are just watching this on YouTube uh, or listening to this on Spotify, you know, don't forget to leave a comment, you know, give us a like and uh, follow. And we love and you if you did attend the sim, make sure you add your comments below um, mm -hmm. on the YouTube link. Uh, sorry, on the YouTube channel or as well as on our Discord, you guys can discuss what happened out there. I want to hear stories. I want to hear stories. I want to hear your, mm. your stories. We've heard from the commanders now. We've heard from Jillian. We've heard from the NPC team um, and as well as us. Um, let's hear your story of what happened. If you're watching a bridge for three hours, let's hear it because I want to hear every, every movement, an, yeah. every movement <laughs> of that of that bush. Let I want to hear, hear about an epic firefight because yeah. I know that there. Were I wanna, many. I wanna know if you guys shot a guy with nods on because that's like the ultimate kill, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I heard there was an exchange, um, a five to one exchange. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they took out two nod guys, but it uh, cost them ten guys. Yeah, oh, well, it's... you know, they had to get them, right? They had to get them. <laughs> that was the ultimate. Um, yeah, flex, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They can flex with their nods, but you could flex... With your body count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, nothing else to add? I got nothing else no, to add. No, that pretty much... Oh, no, I think that's everything, guys. So, you know, with that, that's been episode 67 with your host, Poi, Mac, your boy, Tack, our guest, Julian, guest. Owen, and Malcolm. Um, thank you guys so much uh, for spending your time with us. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. All right. Thank you. And goodbye, guys. Bye -bye. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye.